Tackling the complex issue of homelessness often feels overwhelming and discouraging, but you'll hear from Arapahoe County Homeless Services Coordinator Mike Sandgren how a compassionate, thoughtful, person-by-person, step-by-step collaborative plan is providing hope and light for the future in the Tri-Cities of Inglewood, Sheridan, and Littleton in Colorado on this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast, where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and it is a pleasure to host a conversation about one of the most complex issues of our time, homelessness, with Mike Sandgren, Homeless Services Coordinator for the Tri-Cities of Englewood, Sheridan, and Littleton here in Colorado. Mike is responsible for overseeing the implementation of the Tri-City Homelessness Action Plan. He has been involved in addressing homelessness in the South Denver metro region for several years through his work leading the Change the Trend Network, a coalition of 40 plus agencies around the South metro region that comes together weekly to collaborate on this issue. We'll talk some more about that. Mike previously worked at Wellspring Church, where he ran a variety of programming focused on poverty alleviation, including a food bank, resource center, medical clinic, and career training program, Awesome, which led to his involvement with Change the Trend, which led to his role with Rapo County. Most importantly, Mike is husband to Catherine and they live in Englewood. Mike, welcome and thanks for being here. Jay, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be together. Homelessness is, you know, myself, I'm guilty of this. We think of it as a big city urban problem, but but that's not the case when you talk about Englewood, Sheridan, Littleton, three great Denver metro suburbs. Well, and it's especially not the case in the last couple of years. That's been one of the catalysts for some of the work that we've been doing in some of these first tier suburban communities is just we've been feeling the issue to a greater degree. You know, right. back in 2017, when I was on staff at, at Wellspring, leading some of our poverty alleviation services internally, I was participating in the local pastors network in Inglewood. And the mm-hmm. chief of police reached out to that network and said, hey, even here in Inglewood, in this you know suburban community, right. 50% of the calls my offices are going on are relating to homelessness in one way or wow. another. The business owner with somebody, you know, loitering in their their lobby or the resident of, of Inglewood with somebody um, in their alley um, asking the police, hey, can you do something about it? And um, Chief Collins at the time had a vested interest in trying to equip his officers to figure out how to engage more productively in those moments. So it was an issue even back in 2017. What was that? Five years ago. Yeah, um, that was increasingly felt in some of these first tier suburban communities. So your role with is implementing the Tri-Cities Homeless Action Plan. Talk to us about this plan. How was it put together? When? The objectives, kind of all of that. Yeah, it's been a it's been a journey over the the last probably three or four years to yeah. put together kind of a comprehensive regional plan around the issue. In 2017, the the fruit of you know that interaction between the pastors network and the chief of police mm-hmm. was the launch of the Change the Trend network, which brings together service providers and other city and community leaders to seek collaborative pathways to address the issue. Right. Um, as we started to to meet and gain some momentum, uh, we were in invited into the um, formation of what's called the Tri-Cities Homelessness Policy Group, which was really the the mayor of Inglewood uh, at the time 
um, recognizing, you know, Change the Trend was doing a lot of ground level organizing work around the issue. She she started to ask the question, what would it look like to bring some of the higher level leadership in the region together around the issue? And so she she helped form, kind of relaunch this Tri-Cities group um, yeah. with a specific focus on homelessness. And that's the group that consists of chiefs of police, city managers, elected officials, um, housing authorities, some of the higher level leadership, some some leaders from the county. And that group has kind of over the last three or four years taken a season of doing some research around the issue, contracting mm-hmm. with some some professionals to come in and, and really kind of wrap our minds collectively around um, what's causing homelessness, uh, right. both individuals and families. Mm -hmm. Um, in our region? And then what are the barriers people who are homeless are facing between where they, where they're at experiencing homelessness and kind of moving beyond um, that experience. And so the Tri-Cities Homeless Action Plan was kind of the fruit of that season of research and then contracting with a consultant to come in and take what we've learned through that research and put together a plan. Um, It's a four category um, approach, one focused on some foundational work, like developing my new job, uh, coordinator position, uh, investing in some data tracking um, systems, making sure we're doing our part to participate in some broader regional and statewide and even national efforts around homelessness. And then there's a section focused on addressing the needs of single adults who are homeless, yeah. um, a section focused on addressing the needs of families um, who are experiencing homelessness. And both of those are focused not just on meeting immediate needs, that's important, but also creating pathways right. out of homelessness and supporting people in that journey. And then there's a final section focused on workforce development opportunities. You know, a lot of folks who are, are experiencing homelessness, the, the pathway for them looks like kind of re-entering the workforce and, and finding sustainability, but they need support on that pathway. And so right. you have a whole section focused on um, supporting that process, uh, kind of that journey to, back towards self-sustainability. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what are some of the big barriers that you see folks, and I'm sure it is different for if you're single or if you do have a family, but what are some of the big, the big barriers that folks are encountering trying to escape homelessness? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, there's this, the old adage of if you've met one person who's homeless, you know, you've, you've met one person who's homeless, right? right? right. Every, every story has unique complexities and um, every individual, you know, has, has individual nuances yeah. to their own experience. But with that being said, there are some general through lines that we can identify to, to start to see some of the, the commonalities between um, mm-hmm. What's causing and what's stopping folks from experiencing homeless or folks from moving beyond homelessness? Right. You know, when we did that that research assessment a few years ago, um, the report actually developed a a list of the top fifteen or so um, reasons, causes for homelessness, and then did the same for barriers out of homelessness. And it was interesting as you looked at uh, that list, the top five were economic in nature. In a uh, community, kind of a region like the Denver metro region as, yeah. you know, it's we're just experiencing significant growth in the last several years. Cost of living goes up. I personally know um, some folks who are, you know, just making it, paying rent every month. Yeah, I mean, when when the lease gets renewed and rent goes up a few hundred bucks, that's that puts even more pressure on, right. on them. And, you know, a lot job loss was another um, mm-hmm. kind of compounding factor. Lack of access to a job that has uh, wages that might um, keep up with paying rent. You know, that one may be, you know, this mm-hmm. this research was done 
uh, I think just before COVID. And so the, mm. the labor market's a little different these days. Right. So right. that might be a little outdated, but five factors were, were economic. Um, and yeah. then within the top 10, that's where you started to see some personal factors like mental illness or loss of significant relationships or um, addiction struggles, things yeah. like that. But what was interesting as we looked at that research was that for individuals and families, the average respondent, the average person who was surveyed for individuals identified, I think it was 6.5 causes of their experience of homelessness. Wow. And for families, it was it was similar. It was about, I think, a little around five causes. And so, and if you looked at some of those individual responses, you, you saw kind of a mix of both those economic factors and some of those personal factors. Yeah. And so what, what I look, I look at something like that and I kind of draw the conclusion that homelessness is is multidimensional. It's complex. Um, right. and the causes are pretty multidimensional. You know, there's a general level of economic insecurity that a person might be experiencing and that kind of lessens the capacity to weather storms when they come. So maybe mm-hmm. somebody's just making it and they lose their job, you know, and, right. and they don't necessarily have a, a rainy day fund to fall. Right. Living check to check. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they wind up losing their housing or maybe a couple, a married couple you could imagine is are both working and just making it maybe one of, one of the, uh, one of the spouses tragically passes away. I, I know, I know a situation where that ha- did happen. And the other one, the, the other spouse didn't handle it well and, you know, lost 50% of the income and also right. was grieving and, and yep. just kind of fell off, fell off a cliff into homelessness for a, yeah. a number of years. And so there's a lot of factors. It's multidimensional. What I can draw from, from some of the data that we've seen is I think the top factors seem to be economic in nature. Um, but usually for each individual, it's a complex kind of interplay of yeah. personal factors and economic factors. Well, and that's, that's gotta be the, the challenge. One of the big challenges is I'm reading in this great book about, you know, you can't really manage a collective group anymore. You really have to manage the individuals. And so there is no one size solution here or one size fits all. Every case is going to be different. So that's got to be a huge challenge. Yeah. And it, and it speaks to the need. One of the things that the action plan calls for is the establishment of a navigation center um, mm-hmm. that would serve both individuals and families. And the idea of a navigation center, it's emerging as a nationwide best practice for addressing homelessness is that you engage a practice called case conferencing, which is what you just said. You take a list of um, all of the folks who are experiencing homelessness and you walk through them by name. You literally call that list a by name right. list. Um, because to your point, it takes kind of an individualized approach to to serve the needs of each person who's looking to move beyond homelessness. Mm-hmm. And so what you do is you you take a by name list and you bring the service providers together around each individual and you say, okay, here's Jim. You know, what does Jim right. need? He needs mental health support. He needs a, a career training program, things like that. Let's get him connected to the services that he needs and let's help him navigate the services that are available to him and really just support him on that journey out of homelessness. And once Jim um, gets housed and is, is stable, you move on to Sally next, you know, and you wow. just walk through that list and, and one by one um, you navigate each person who's, who's homeless in your community out of homelessness into a better situation. Wow. And so and that's something that the action plan calls for, that we're actively working to figure out the right way to stand up in our community. Nice. And then would this be a situation where you could engage with 
all the groups that are in change the trend. I mean, I was lucky enough to sit in on one of these change the trend meetings and it's fascinating. So many organizations focusing on top level stuff and then down to where can I send somebody to get a shower? So in this model, are these the kind of organizations you'd engage with? Absolutely. And we're, we're actually already engaging. You know, it's, it's funny when we first started the network, we, we were just a group of kind of small food banks, days of resource centers, a couple yeah. of shelter providers kind of getting together every Thursday to say, how can we work together? I was very, very organic, very relationally driven. It still is. But what we, what we did for those first couple of years that we were meeting every week was we just recognized, Hey, we all know a lot of the same people. Who are, who are homeless and we're all trying to serve them, what would it look like to just try to work together yeah. individually? And, you know, this was actually before we had language for navigation center and case conferencing wow. before we realized it was ahead of your time. A, a best practice. And so we were just kind of a group of group of friends who were all in the same line of work, who were trying uh-huh. to help each other and, and work together a little bit more to, to serve the needs of people that we all knew, you know, neighbors of ours who were, who were yeah. struggling. So we, we started doing that several years ago. And then um, as we learned that it's kind of a best practice, we, we tried to formalize it more. And then the goal would be to formalize it officially within um, the navigation center. But yeah, we've been engaging that almost since day one that, that change the trend has been together. And so I would, I would fully anticipate the network kind of coming together and rallying around uh, the navigation center when it gets um, established. So that's awesome. Cause to me, that means we're not just relying on government and taxes to, to solve this issue. You've got people in all sorts of different organizations that can step forward and really deploy their expertises and their services to, to help. And, and it kind of cre- does create that circle uh, that could do it, which is, which is very cool. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the compelling things about the action plan. That's one of the the reasons I was intrigued by the role of implementing mm-hmm. it. If you if you look at the Tri Cities Homeless Action Plan, which is available for download on any of the Tri Cities websites, um, Littleton in particular has a downloadable PDF. Nice. Um, it's a document that outlines what the action plan calls for. Um, if you look at it, you know it really does call for a cross sector collaborative approach. It, it, if you can you can find opportunities for um, faith groups, faith communities to get involved. You can find opportunities for the private philanthropic sector to be involved. You can find opportunities for governmental partners to be involved. But it really, it, it really acknowledges that this type of highly complex issue of homelessness is going to take really mobilizing the entire community to see some some progress in the right direction. Well, and the cool part about that is, to me, it sounds like you're meeting people where they're at. So if somebody is open for a faith-based solution, you've got that. If they're not, you've got ways to help them. And so there's, it all comes back to that meeting the individual where they are and having as many resources as possible to do that. Exactly. And that's something we've we've done our best to kind of build a culture with, within Change the Trend and kind of concurrently within the, the Tri-Cities in general is we're a pretty diverse crew. You know, you could probably yeah. find Every right. every political persuasion, every religious yeah. persuasion within the network, and we've just said like, hey, where we're different, where we might disagree in, in areas, we're gonna we're gonna put aside temporarily in order to come together around one thing that we can agree on, which is that our shared value of trying to address this issue and and serve our, our community members who are vulnerable to homelessness and who are currently experiencing it. Can we send all of you guys to the U.S. Senate? 
<laughs> this is not that's that's a, a a bad joke. This is um not a fair question, but I'll ask anyways. Can you think of some of the positive outcomes that you've seen through train change the trend that have really been meaningful and memorable for you? That's such a good question. I, I think about the answer to a question like that in multiple layers. Yeah. I can think of individuals who have been supported out of homelessness through the work of the network. And what I love about uh, stories like that is when somebody gets housed and you can't really point to a specific agency or person who is fully responsible for it because uh, it's truly just such a collaborative effort. Wow. Um, I'll give an example. I don't have permission to to share this gentleman's name, but this of was several not. years ago. We were working with a, a specific individual who was on the streets, was a young, younger man living, sleeping on the streets of Inglewood. And we, he was one of the first folks we rallied around, you know, we at Wellspring started providing him space on, on Sundays and Wednesdays for him to Mm -hmm. come in and give check-ins with his progress. A couple of the other resource centers started to really engage him and connect him with some mental health support, some addiction recovery support. Um, He actually found a job and was supported in kind of the the process of getting employed um, through uh, one of one of the other service providers in the network, and then actually the director of one of the the organizations in Inglewood um, actually put him up for a reduced rent rate in their basement for a few nice. months, <laughs> and that was his first um, first step housing. Um, awesome. We used to joke that this gentleman's basement was Inglewood's transitional housing. <laughs> it's not that's not necessarily a best practice, but it was a really beautiful model of kind of that is one one person yeah, one stepping family forward. stepping up to right. demonstrate just pretty radical hospitality um, to do that. And so this gentleman got housed. He's, uh, to my knowledge, he continues to be stably housed and gainfully employed to this day. And, you know, that is a is a process that you can't necessarily point to one particular right. agency that did everything for right. him. It that's, really that's was three a three or four coming together, which goes back Mm -hmm. to the point, you know, Mm -hmm. for each individual person think, you know, what's that going to take? It's a lot. So this work that you're doing is definitely not for the faint of heart. I mean, where does this, where does this mentality to really want to immerse yourself in it come from for you? Yeah, that's a great, great question, Jay. For, for me personally, a lot of it is motivated by, by faith. I, I believe, you know, I've worked as a pastor for a long time. I, mm-hmm. As a Christian, I believe I have a responsibility to care for the vulnerable, to care for the poor. Um, that was a value that Wellspring, when I was employed there, um, mm-hmm. carried. Um, and that was a value that I was kind of responsible for carrying into our right. engagement with our broader community um, while I was on staff at Wellspring. And personally, that aligns with how I feel called as a Christian, called as a person, um, and it aligns with kind of the responsibility that I have to to care for the vulnerable um, wow. and then there's there's a piece of it for me that you know as a as a millennial who lives in Denver who loves living in Denver you know I just it just feels right to be able to have an opportunity to invest in even as I really enjoy this city that I live in to take time and invest in trying to do something productive to address some of the issues, some of the challenges that that the community is is walking through. And so it just feels like the right thing to do um, to, to capitalize on some of those opportunities. Um, even as I, I really enjoy living in the, the city right. to take some time to 
do my part to try to address and, and play a role in addressing some of the issues that the city is experiencing as well, such as homelessness. Yeah. So I'd say my opportunities to participate in trying to respond to homelessness, you know, align with how I feel called from a faith perspective and just make sense for where I'm at right now. Well, salute, because it's definitely the road less traveled. But where where do you see, you know, you've been at this for now since 2017, pretty much. Where do you see great opportunities to really make a difference in this? Yeah. And again, question. another loaded question, right? <laughs> 80 million different ways. Yeah. But I think it's a, it's a great question because it really gets down to the, you know, what does success look like? You know, right at the end of the day around homelessness. Right. I feel optimistic about the action plan in the Tri-Cities. I think that there are some concrete action steps that can be taken and are, are already in the works um, that will be taken in the next three years that will both, like I said earlier, both respond to the needs of, of people who are experiencing homelessness currently and also create some pathways out of homelessness. So I'll highlight one in particular um, under the workforce development section of the action plan that it calls for partnership with two particular organizations. There's one called Bridge House, um, which operates what's called the Ready to Work program, um, and one called Cross Purpose, which operates a six-month career and community development training program. Awesome. Bridge House takes folks right off the streets and puts them into a year-long transitional housing program that gives them those initial skills around um, how to re-enter the workforce at that base level and actually manages contracts where they're sending folks out into the, the work environment in a supportive capacity and does that year-long work. And really, really, their specialty is to bring folks right off the streets into that first level of stability, being housed, being gainfully employed. And then Cross Purpose is a, a, a program that, you know, admittedly doesn't necessarily take people right off the streets, but does a six month program where they build build them um, a marketable skill and build them some deeper um, kind of social social skills, employment right. skills, some of the soft skills to launch right. them into a career with, with livable wage, upward mobility, and really dignified work over the long haul. And so what I'm interested in, what I'm excited to, to bring to the Tri-Cities area is both the Bridge House program and Cross Purposes program, yeah. um, because with those two programs working um, in conjunction with each other and working in the same community, we'll have a pathway not just from the streets to housed and, and you know, right. we would, we'll have a, we'll have a pathway from the streets to career work wow. with mobility and really dignified work, which I'm really excited to see. I'm excited yeah, for that's, first few that's stories a... of the, the people who were homeless, went through the bridge house program successfully, and then got picked up by the cross purpose program and, and got plugged into a career upward mobility, really, really dignified work um, through that pipeline. So I'm excited to see stuff like that happen. Yeah. Um, I'm also excited to see the navigation center be stood up. I'm excited for a coordinated outreach team um, to be making contact with camps throughout the Tri-Cities as they're um, starting to pop up, do referrals to services and try to engage that way rather than just asking people to kind of continually move to the next you right. know, region and things right. like that. And so there's a, there's a lot within the action plan that makes me optimistic, makes me hopeful. Well, and that's, that's the thing is this is a multi-step process. This isn't just, okay, we found this guy, he's homeless. We got him a job mission accomplished. It's like, no, sir, you got a long ways to go there. So to have this kind of stuff in place that can walk with them and create, like you say, a pathway is very exciting. What is it that really pushes you out of bed in the morning and makes you excited about this stuff? 
you know, it, obviously those those stories of people yeah. getting housed, the the transformative stories. On a on another level, for me, within some of the opportunities I've been given with leading the network, and even within my my new role overseeing mm-hmm. the implementation of of the action plan, what I love to see is different stakeholders coming from diverse backgrounds putting aside those differences and really just standing shoulders to shoulder around addressing a, an issue that they all care about. That That's what really kind of gets me excited yeah. uh, to see the potential around the bridge building capacity or, or, around right. um, addressing a, a, a need that a community is facing and uh, finding a shared value between two people who might be radically different in every other area of their yeah. life. Uh, but they both care about homelessness and they both care about serving um, people awesome. who are who are homeless. And so they're willing to come together and to put aside differences and stand shoulder to shoulder and work together on, on the issue. Um, that's what I've been able to to see. And I, I just love kind of the, the culture that, that something like that creates. Yeah. Building know, trust between different sectors of the community. Um, one good example is within Inglewood, the police department and the service mm-hmm. provider community. In a lot of communities, those two groups of people don't get along right. you know, for, for a lot of understandable reasons. Um, but what we've seen happen over the last several years in Inglewood in particular is the, the Inglewood Police Department and the service provider community sitting around a table every Thursday together and, and building opportunities to work together on this That's issue. Fantastic. And what's happening through something like that is trust is being built, you know, right. relationships are being deepened right? and to where, when we do have to have difficult conversations, mm-hmm. we're able to move through those moments um, productively and, and kind of a lot land on the other side in a way that is, you know, maintains relationship, maintains trust um, because we've been able to build that foundation. And, what, and we've started to see so many cool things happen through that relationship, like the mobilization of a, a co-responder program where mental right. health professionals are now responding with officers um, yeah. in some of these moments to provide clinical support rather than just law enforcement support. Right. All the way to where Inglewood hired a full-time case manager um, to focus on homelessness. So they're they're not a, a police officer, but they're employed through the, the department to um, focus on serving people who are on the streets in Inglewood. And most recently, the, the launch of a mobile response unit in partnership with our community mental health provider. And we're starting to see some of those, some concrete projects be kind of outflow from the, that foundation of trust and relationship building that we've been able to engage in over the last um, few years. And so that's the kind of stuff that really makes me excited yeah. to kind of see this collaborative multi- faceted, um, uh, cross-sector uh, collaborative yeah. approach emerge uh, around a specific issue and around right. a shared value. And when you're pounding at it and pounding at it, it's awesome to finally see some fruits of those labors mm-hmm. start to emerge. So that is exciting. Always wrap these up with what I call a fab four. The first one will be, what is something you will listen to, read, or watch today? I hope that I get to, my wife and I are going through Stranger Things, just like the rest of the world. (laughs) And we're about halfway through the fourth season. And and we actually had to, we had to end an episode halfway through last Oh no. uh, Because we had to get over to some friend's house. So I'm hoping we'll get time to finish that episode. So a cliffhanger inside the cliffhanger. Yeah, we left on a cliffhanger last night. So who's been a role model for you uh, that you look at and say, this person really inspired me to do the kind of work I'm doing? 
Mm -hmm. You know, there's a group um, throughout Denver, loosely affiliated, but all kind of relationally affiliated folks who are who have worked in vocational ministry and worked kind of helping serve the their local cities. Um, and that group has, I found, really deep inspiration from. So Dave Runyon up in Arvada, Joe, An- Joe Anderson in Inglewood, Nathan Hoag in Inglewood. There's a group of folks who are really, they've worked in ministry, um, but they've taken a specific approach to um, stewarding that platform to serve their city and kind of play a role in addressing the needs of their communities. And I've found a lot of inspiration through some of that work and have been have <laughs> been coached along the way in some of my yeah. work by some of those folks as well, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. And is there an organization out there that you really admire who's making the world better alongside what you're doing every day? What comes to mind right off the bat around stellar nonprofits doing great work um, in the Denver metro area is Cross Purpose. Um, They've been faithfully serving up in North Denver for many years, um, transforming lives through career training um, and really a pretty holistic model of transformation. Um, And they're in a, a season of building satellite locations throughout the metro area and so nice. the the tri-cities location was actually the career program that we were able to partner with them to oh, bring awesome. wellspring and then was worked into the action plan because of how stellar an organization it is um, and how great their programming is so they're doing great great work around like i said faithfully up in north denver and then spreading throughout the metro area kind of committed to the the denver uh, Metro Denver area, bring in their career training program. Sounds like somebody I need to have on the podcast. So if anybody listening wants to know how they can support what you're doing, learn more, get involved, learn about change the trend, where can they go? Yeah. Change the trend has a website um, that outlines everybody who's um, involved in the network. You know, change the trend is kind of this, you know, we, we say at the, the beginning of every meeting, we're not a service provider, but we serve service providers. So we're not doing like direct services through the network, but we're trying to empower the folks who are providing those, those direct services. So I would say go to change the trends, uh, change the trend.com find an organization that, that really fits your values and reach out to them and see how you can support them, see how you can give to them and, and get involved through some of the ground level folks who are working within the Tri-Cities. I'd also say if folks are interested in learning more about the Tri-Cities Homeless Action Plan, msandgren at arapahogov.com is my new email. Um, feel free to reach out. Uh, and then, like I said earlier, go to any of the, the city's websites, I believe, have downloadable um, PDFs of the Tri-Cities Homeless Action Plan. You can read up on what that plan calls for and what kind of the direction we're moving in the next three years. That's your job description, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, I'll put all that in the show notes. Mike, thanks again for being here. I, I really admire the work you're doing uh, to get up every day and, and tackle this issue. And you guys are doing some great work. So thanks so much. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by JC Charity and Event Services. If you're interested in how I might be able to bolster your efforts and help your team achieve its goals, I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. Links to the Tri-Cities Homeless Action Plan are in the show notes, or you can reach Mike at msandgren at arapahogov.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd give us a thumbs up and leave a review. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better. Thank you.